to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. The day of the Lord, when it comes. Uh, Jesus, as, as Randy brought to us at the Lord's table, He, in a sense, went through the day of the Lord already. The wrath of God. He came as God and came to earth as a man. He went to the cross and He endured the day of the Lord. The wrath of God was poured upon Him. Now the day of the Lord, it's a two-sided coin, so to speak. The day of the Lord is Jesus coming back. Jesus redeeming the earth. Jesus coming to save. On the other hand, it's the day of judgment. The day of the Lord is a day of darkness, a, a day of wrath, a day of shaking, a day of death, a day of ruin and woe and destruction of the earth. Let's review where we were last week. We talked about the day of the Lord because it leads us into chapter 7. I'm going to start. Uh, when, verse 12, if you have your Bibles open, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth, full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig tree. Fig trees shed their winter fruit, shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that was being rolled up, and every mountain and island re removed from its place. And the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who is seated on a throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? It's a nightmarish scene. It's a terrifying scene. It's a terrible, terrible scene. At the end of the age, the dissolution of the earth, the coming of the King, he brings the wrath of God. And notice at the end of that text, there's the wrath of the one seated on a throne and the wrath of the Lamb. Ironic statement. The, the Lamb who is slain comes as the wrathful one. The one who took the wrath of God on the cross for our sins. At the end, He brings the wrath of God upon the unbelievers of the world. It's an amazing, amazing scene. But that last question, the, the powerful, the rich, the strong... The, the generals, all those who never feared anything in their life, so to speak. They were secure all their life. As they, they, the, the moment comes when that set six steel is broken, and, and the world changes, the cosmic shaking, the signs in the heavens, they realize that they can't stand. They cannot withstand the judgment. They cannot be saved. They, they, can't, they cannot save themselves. They cannot deliver themselves. They cannot rescue themselves. And they, they ask the question, who can stand? Who can withstand the wrath of God? Who can overcome His judgments? Who can escape the day of destruction? Uh, it's a great question for us to ask. Uh, as we move into chapter 7, it seems to me that chapter 7 is all about answering that question. Who will stand? Who can stand? Will you stand? Will you be saved in the day of the Lord? So please uh, look at uh, chapter 7. Now we can go to the scripture. Chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, we have, uh, there's so much here, and pardon me if I, I I'm really, my, my goal this year is to end on time. <laughs> so pray for me. Uh, and pray for yourselves too. Uh, <laughs> chapter 7, verse 1. 
After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, and no, so that no wind might blow on the earth or sea against any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun and the seal of the living God. He called with a loud voice to the four angels who were given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from Gad, and 12,000 from Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. 12,000 from all those tribes were sealed. And pause there with me. It's, it's an amazing vision. Now, if you haven't looked through the Revelation, if you're new to the book of Revelation, John is given a series of visions. John is taken by God in his mind to see things that will come. He's told, write what you see, what will be, and what will be to come. And, and the visions come. We don't know the, the time length of it. Was, it. was it all in one day? Was it over a series of weeks? It was amazing visions. And so we come to chapter 6, and there's six seals. The scroll given to Jesus. He's opening the scroll, the destiny of humanity, the future of the earth, the future of the peoples of the world. And we get to the sixth seal, and then chapter 7, there's a pause. There's a parenthesis. There's a, suddenly just this stop in the chronology. There's this, this flow going with the six seals, and then, hey, step back a second. He's been talking about the unbelievers on the earth. He's been talking about the judgments coming against them. And then I think what chapter 7 is about is about the believers. It's like coming at it from a different perspective. Now, again, John is unveiling. God is unveiling through John's visions what's going to happen in the future. And so he's showing one scene for a little bit, a, a picture show, so to speak. And it's like, oh, pause, hold on a second. Let's look at it from another scene. That's what we got in chapter 7. And you'll notice it starts off uh, saying that I saw, again, John is reporting his vision, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. Uh, and if you've noticed, the number four is prominent through the book of Revelation. It, it hits again and again and again. I think highly symbolic in many ways, but behind the symbols there's truth. Uh, that no wind might blow against the, on the earth or sea against any tree. If the, if the winds, the, the judgments of God come upon the earth, uh, not only is the earth going to be affected, but all the people upon the earth. And, and he's, he's seeing these, these angels, and we can only just imagine. The four corners of the earth, uh, some people freak out about that. Is the earth flat? Is the Bible saying it's, it's square or something? No, there's just as many references in the Bible about a round earth. It's the idea of north, south, east, and west, the four comp points of the compass, using that analogy, that picture, so don't stress out about uh, the four corners of the earth. Uh, the, the holding back the four winds of the earth. Uh, wind, in, in the Old Testament especially, I, I was looking, I got caught up this week in study of the Old Testament, and all the times that wind is talked as a metaphor of judgment, when the wind of God comes, when the wind of God blows, the, the hot east wind blowing into, from the desert, it, it can dry up anything quickly. It's a, it's a, it's a metaphor of judgment. <clears throat> it's it's quite, quite a scene, if you can imagine in your mind. He saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun uh, from the east. 
So many things come from the east. The rising, the light of God comes from the east. Jesus will come from the east. When the seal of the living God, um, he, he had the seal of the living God, he called out in a loud voice, Hey, don't, don't let the winds go. Don't let the judgments come. Don't, don't let it happen. We have to seal God's servants first. Who, now, you notice who, who's, who's being sealed there, the servants of God. That's very important, especially as we get into the latter part of chapter 7. Servants of God are being sealed. And there's 144,000. So we've got a lot, a lot to talk about here. Uh, if, if you buy into the ideas as I presented it, if you see it, is, is the book of Revelation, in our way of reading novels or our reading books, we, we usually go chronological. Step one, step two, step three, right? We, we go in a certain order. I would suggest to you that the book of Revelation is much more a work of art. It, it, there is some chronology here, there's a timeline here, but it's, but it's uh, these, these, there, there's certain points where things are said again and again, maybe even with an intensification again and again as we go through the seals and the, the, the trumpets and the bowls as we get into that part of the book. Uh, but here I, I'm suggesting to you that the time has stopped and it's looked at from another perspective. Now, when I say that because of the four winds, could the four winds be the same thing as the four horsemen? And the reason I say that, if you turn back to the book of Zechariah, um, I don't know who's read uh, Zechariah lately, um, but good job if you have. Um, Zechariah, I was using my other Bible, now I've got to find it in this Bible. Uh, Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6, if you look at verse 1. Now, in a previous sermon, I mentioned how uh, the four horsemen related to Zechariah chapter 1. There's so many allusions to the Old Testament. N almost nothing in John is fresh or new, or the, the, the book of Revelation is fresh or new. So, if you, if you want to know the Old Testament, read the book of John and try to find all the, uh, the book of Revelation, try to find all the allusions in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 1, the four horses, there's an allusion there to them. But look at chapter 6 of, of Zechariah. Uh, verse 1, After this I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four chariots came from between the two mountains. And so, this literature is the same type of literature as the book of Revelation. Four chariots came from the two mountains. <laughs> the mountains were mountains of bronze. First chariot were red horses, the second black horses, the third were white horses, and the fourth chariot dappled horses. All of them strong. And I answered and, I said, uh, I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel answered and said to me, These are going out of the four winds of heaven after presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. Some of your translations say the four spirits of heaven. Uh, the imagery there of horses and chariots and judgments, uh, they're, they're, they're these spies, I guess you'd call them, uh, of, of God going through the earth. It just the, the, the analogy there is, is the winds of judgment, the, the, the picture of the spirits moving through the earth. In, in my mind, I, I look at this and I see the four angels standing in the four corners, the four winds of the earth. I, I would say they're, they're probably the same thing as, as the four horsemen of chapter 6. The symbolism there is powerful of God's coming judgment. The God un unleashing humanity against itself, as it were, to bring wrath, His wrath upon the earth. Uh, it's, it's a strong scene. It's a mighty scene. But in the chronology of it, if you, if you can go there with me, what's being, what's being said here is kind of before the judgments of God come, before the four horsemen come, before the seals are open, it seems to me that there, there's this chronology, this stop, this interlude of, of chapter 7. God is showing John another picture like, before I'm going to judge the earth, I'm going to protect certain people. I'm going to put my seal upon certain people. 
so that they will not be destroyed. Uh, so if you, if you go along with that, that chronology, that idea, what we have here is the angel comes, the, the second angel comes and he says, hey, wait a minute, before the judgments are unleashed, before the four horsemen come, you know, the four horsemen, a picture of judgment, the four winds come, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to seal up people. Now, we need to talk about, before we get to what the 144,000, who they are, and et cetera, et cetera, we need to talk about the sealing kind of idea. Uh, in ancient times, uh, oftentimes it was talk, when they talk about a seal, they were talking about a signet ring of a, of a ruler or an administrator. Right? There, there'd be a document laid out, they'd pour some, some warm or hot wax on the document, and the, the ruler would put his, his, his ring, uh, uh, the symbol of that ring or the writing on that ring, into the hot wax, and it would be sealed. You wouldn't open the document, uh, you know, unless you're an official person who could open, break that seal, because breaking the seal would be a violation of that ruler's authority. So we see uh, it with, with Jesus' death, his tomb was sealed, and there's all kinds of things that could be sealed, and you weren't supposed to open it unless you had the authority to. And so, uh, the, the, is that what is talked about? Is that what's described here? Uh, again, there, there's more to, to think about here. The, the seal is some kind of a protection, some kind of a sign, some kind of a uh, don't violate this, don't break it, don't go against it. Uh, and so there's, 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 again, many allusions to some of these things. But if you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 9. Anybody reading Ezekiel these days? <laughs> it's another cool book. Again, the same type of literature is, much of it is the same type of literature as the book of Revelation. It's a, it's a prophecy and apocalyptic as well. So Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4, please. Uh, and this, the setting of this is, this is the judgment of God upon Jerusalem in like 586 B.C. Okay? They've, they've turned to idolatry. They've turned to worshiping other gods. They've, they've rebelled against God. They've hated God. And so God, even though He's patient and long-suffering, for hundreds of years of sending prophets to Jerusalem, uh, they, they haven't repented. They still rebelled. So God is leaving Jerusalem. Ezekiel, the Spirit of God is leaving the temple. And judgments are coming upon the people of Jerusalem because of their wickedness. And it's kind of a, a foreshadowing of the day of the Lord in many ways. The Lord said to him, to this cherub, this, uh, this angel, um, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. To the others, he said, my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike, and strike. Your eyes shall not spare, and you shall sow no pity. Kill outright old men, young men, maidens, little children, women. But do not touch, touch no one on whom is the mark. And begin in my sanctuary. So they begin with the elders who are seated before the house. It's nice to know elders that we're going to be first. Um, and while they were striking, I was left alone. I fell upon my face and cried, Oh, my God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? So what the scene is, is that all the righteous in the city are marked. They're, they're, just, they're sealed. The, the mark there is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so it would be like an X or a cross. Okay, Marked, marked for God. Don't touch these people. Same, same kind of idea as the plagues of Egypt were, were being poured out. The book of Exodus um, and Passover when they marked their doorpost with blood. So the angel of death would pass over and not destroy the Israelites. 
uh, you know, the firstborn of the Israelites, as the angel of death moved through uh, <coughs> the, the nation um, to destroy uh, the Egyptians' firstborn. Uh, the same idea there. So it's a mark of protection to keep them safe. As we look further in the book of Revelation, we, we, we ask the question, well, is there more said about this mark? And there is, both about the mark of God and the mark of the beast. Chapter 14, verse 1, please. Chapter 14, verse 1 of Revelation. <clears throat> the wrath of God, the judgment of God, is going to come upon the earth dwellers, but upon those who have the mark, they will not face the wrath of God. Of God. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. What a picture there. And with 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. <clears throat> okay? So uh, that's the interesting. The mark of, of the sealing of the angel to keep people from the wrath of God, from the judgment of God, they're marked on their forehead with God's name and Jesus' name. What does that look like? It's a fascinating, fascinating picture. Uh, in ancient times, in the first century, there's so many ways that uh, God um, kindly and gently comes to us in His grace to teach us certain things. In the first century, slaves, uh, bond servants and, and outright slaves, they are often tattooed or branded on their forehead by the name of the owner. Okay? So what's taking place is God says, these people are mine. These are my... Who, who's being sealed in, in Revelation 7? It's the servants of God. Some of your translations say the slaves of God, the bond servants of God. The believers in God, the people of God are being marked so that they are protected, so that they're safe when the wrath of God comes. Uh, chapter 13, there's another mark going on in Revelation at the, the end, the great tribulation, the time of the end. Chapter 13, verse 16. Uh, this, this is the section of as, as uh, Satan is active in the world, the Antichrist comes forward. Uh, he, uh, he, he brings all kinds of evil and terrible things. So there's, a, there's the Antichrist and there's a false prophet. The false prophet forces the, the people of the earth, the unbelievers, to receive a mark. Verse 16, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let no one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. Uh, this has caused... Uh, well, well, first of all, notice that uh, all the people of the earth who aren't marked with God's mark are marked with if all the people alive at the time of the Great Tribulation, the time of the end. All the people of the earth who aren't under God's ownership who aren't marked with the seal of God, aren't, don't have God's name on their forehead, they will be marked with Satan's sign, the, the beast, the, the Antichrist's mark. Okay? It's a comprehensive thing. It's not some people, it's all people. Uh, this has caused uh, the saints, <laughs> great 
consternation and frustration like is technology has changed so rapidly over the last 60 70 years every generation lately has been saying oh is this the mark is this you know the chips we put on our pets to track them is, is that going to be used as a mark of the beast all these things uh, I, I want to set you at ease Christians uh, there, there's a couple of views. One view in the church is that all the Christians, before the mark is ever, ever comes upon the earth, all the Christians have been raptured. Okay? So if you take that view of the believing a pre-tribulational rapture thing, it's already, you're already gone. You're already in heaven. Okay? And the other view says that uh, when the time comes for the beast, the governments of the world that are in charge, the revised Roman Empire, however you want to describe it, when the Antichrist and the false prophet's authority causes people to be marked, you're already going to be marked as a Christian. It's not going to be this thing that's going to sneak up on you like, it, relax. God's already got you. God's already marked you. You're already His. You don't have to worry. Some of the questions I get sometimes, well, will I know it if it's offered to me? Yeah, you'll know it. It's going to be so obvious. It's not going to be something like you're going to be tricked into it or deceived into it. Only those who get the mark, um, the ones who get the mark, they, they will know what they're doing when they get the mark. So this, this picture, this scene that comes in, in Revelation chapter 7, it's a great scene of encouragement. God loves us so much He's going to mark us. God loves His people so much He's going to mark them with His name. You've already been sealed in the Spirit. You've already been bought by God by His blood. You are His. Uh, and and it, it goes further, and I, again, I'm looking at the clock, and man, I'm just really struggling with the time. But we have so, so much here to talk about. It's, it's incredible. This, the, the, the angel comes, and he seals them, and it says, uh, and, he, and he heard. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've read through, the, hopefully you've read through the book of Revelation since we started preaching this. Hopefully. Several times, hopefully. Hopefully you're students of the Word. Hopefully you're not just listening to Jerron preach. Hopefully you're, you're Bereans, people that listen to the preacher and then go study what the preacher said to see if what he said was true. But what maybe you've noticed, if you've studied the book a little bit, is that there's many sections where John sees, sees something and then he hears something. Oftentimes they're united. Here we have this idea that he hears something. Well, it starts in, in verse 1. He saw something that he heard. And as we get into the second section of the chapter 7, then he sees. There are these the united packages. Remember, remember when, uh, when chapter 5, when, um, when John saw the vision of, of Jesus. First he heard, hey, look, there's the line of Judah, the root of David. And then he turned and he saw the lamb who was slain. They go together. I'm going to suggest to you that... Uh, what happens in chapters, uh, verses 1 through 8 goes together with verses 9 through 17. But what is this sealing going on? He heard the number of the sealed. And uh, let me give you two, two views that are probably the most prominent today. Uh, through church history, there's been a lot of, again, a lot of ink spilled and now a lot of typing done um, about this subject. Who are the 144,000? Let's talk about two, two major views. Sorry, I've got a cold today, so I'm drinking a lot, trying to keep my voice going. But the 144,000, there's two views. I'll, I'll tell you my view first, and then I'll tell you another popular view that very well might be the case. And I, in fact, I hope it's the case. I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but the 144,000, I take this as a symbolic number. 
I take this not as a literal number, but a symbolic number, meaning it symbolizes all the people of God. Now, now, why do I say that? Uh, through the book of Revelation, again, if you've read it, you've seen the, the number 12 again and again and again and again. Uh, I, I, I forgot my, my little list um, I've, that, I, that I printed out I was going to read it to you, but the, 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 it, there's it just this, this thing that comes up again and again and again. The 144,000 is a multiple 12 times 12,000 or 12 uh, squared times 1,000, however you want to do it. The 12 is a complete number. Okay, there's 24 elders, 24 thrones, meaning completeness. Uh, there's uh, 12 um, gates in the city in the New Jerusalem, right, with 12 pearls, 12 angels at the gates of the, the New Jerusalem. 12 foundations of the 12 gates, the, the names of the, the 12 tribes are upon the 12 gates. The, uh, the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem, right, with 12 different kinds of stones, with the names of the 12 apostles on the 12 foundations. Uh, the, 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 the length of the size of the city is 12,000 stadia. Uh, the, the width of the wall of the New Jerusalem, 144 cubits. Uh, it's just again and again and again, all these, these uh, multiples of 12. And so what I see in the 144,000 is not a literal 144,000 sealed people, but this is the perfect number. This is the ultimate. This is all present and accounted for. All of God's people sealed, protected from the wrath of God to come. Uh, the, the, the biggest argument against that is, of course, and if you read through five, verses 5 through 8, are all the tribes listed. Now, the, the interesting thing about the, the 12 tribes, there's no uh, one solid list through Scripture about the, the, how they're put together. They're, they're always a little bit different, but this one's really odd. It starts with the tribe of Judah. I mean, because Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, obviously. But the, the, the tribe of Dan's not there. And there's some other an anomalies here that are strange. But nevertheless, there's 12 tribes. And what I think it is, and what I believe it, it's going on here, is that the 12 tribes, the people of God, as we move from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, the 12 tribes are fulfilled by the church. The 12 tribes, the perfect number of all the people of God, as we move, started with the people of Israel. Their promises, God's going to keep His promises to Israel, but the fulfillment of it, all the, the blessing given to all the people of Abraham. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. All the nations of the earth. One day the twelve apostles will judge the twelve tribes of Israel, so to speak. It just, the, the idea is that the fullness of God, the full people of God are going to come in. And it's Gentiles and Jews and everybody. And so the, the starting place, Old Covenant-wise, is the 12 tribes. But then we move into the 12 apostles. These are not random numbers. These are not inconsequential numbers. These are theologically astute numbers that God has chosen for a purpose. So we get to the end of the book. There's the 12 tribes on the gates and the 12 apostles on the foundations of the gates. There's one people of God that God saves. And so my view is, is this, is that before the tribulation comes, all the Christians, all the believers on the face of the earth, we're all going to be, if we're alive, before the great tribulation comes, we're all going to be marked. Uh, some of us will be martyred. Some of us will die in the tribulation. But we're protected from the wrath of God. We're protected from the judgments of God. But nevertheless, many of us will perish by the 
earth dwellers, attacks by the satanic attacks by the evil of the world as it comes against us. Safe in God's hands, we've been sealed, protected. Nevertheless, we could die or some of us will go till the end of the tribulation and go into the millennium. Uh, resurrected, raptured at the end. And so part of my view is that there's not a pre-tribulational rapture, that at the end of the, the, the great tribulation, then we're raptured. There's Revelation 19, Revelation 20. The resurrection is all one thing. As we're transformed upon the face of the earth, glorified as it were. The other view is, is some of you are very, very much familiar with it, and it's a great view. I went to a Bible college and I took tests on it for several years, so I know it very well. And it's a great, it's a great view. It's, the idea here is, is, if you take this view, is that the 144,000 is a literal number. Okay? It's, not, it's not a symbolic number. There's some symbolism of, of Israel here. But uh, it's, it's a literal number. And the 144,000 are not Christians because in this view, the second view I'm telling you about, the church has been raptured. The church has been snatched up to heaven before the tribulation happened. Okay? So there's no more church on the earth. There's no more church here anymore. And so these 144,000, these servants of God, are Jewish men who have converted to Christ. They've heard the gospel of the kingdom, and they, maybe they picked up the Bible of the raptured church that, that someone has left behind, and they come to Christ by the sovereignty of God, by the power of God. They're saved. And so the 144,000, this is literally from the 12 tribes of Judah. Okay? And what they're, they're in, there's, there's a lot of backstory here. There's a lot of, in the book of Numbers, there's, there's a couple censuses taking place. And so the way the censuses are taking place in the book of Numbers is before they go into the promised land, the warriors are brought forth. The, as it were, the church militant, the, the Israel militant is brought forth as they enter the promised land. It's kind of the same kind of structure here. These 12,000 for each tribe, they're going to represent God. They're going to be the evangelists of the Great Tribulation. Okay, God's going to empower. And their protection, if you take this view, their protection is not only uh, protected from the wrath of God, the judgments of God, but they're protected from satanic attack. They're protected from the demons. They're protected from death. They will not die. They will enter into the Great Tribulation uh, as saved, converted to Christ, as it were. And at the end of seven years, they will still be alive, all 144,000, not of 143,999. All will be sealed, so all will be protected. They'll enter into the millennial, millennial kingdom and serve Christ there. Okay? And so, again, I... I think I, my, my heart is the first view, but I sure like the second view better because the church leaves. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through the tribulation. Nobody in their right mind would say, yeah, sign me up for that. Because it's going to be a terrible time. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that there is some, a, a rapture of the church before the great tribulation, that seven year period. But in my view, I, I think it's going to come after. That before there's a crown, there's going to be a cross. Before glory, there's going to be suffering. And I, I see the, the, the troubles, you know, John 16, 33, Jesus said you'll have troubles. The general tribulation of the day. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the, you know, the righteous will, will be persecuted for Christ. Uh, this is something that goes into the great tribulation that no one escapes suffering. Suffering always comes first for the Christian, just as it did for Jesus. And I think we're going to enter into the tribulation sealed, protected, all the Christians. So in my view, I'm thinking that there's going to be hundreds of millions of Christians that enter into the tribulation. Even though there'll be a great slaughter, there'll be a great amount of death and suffering. 
There'll be some who come out of the Great Tribulation alive, but some will be martyrs. And that moves us into the second section. And again, I hope that, that, I hope that, that second one goes, but I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong if you hold to that second view. But we see the sealing, God's sealing. The people of God seal. They're protected. What a, what a measure of hope. Again, in the book of Revelation, you remember what was going on in the first century. People were dying at the hands of the Roman government. They were being persecuted. They were being uh, jailed. They were being put to death. And this would be a great measure of hope, wouldn't it? And no matter what comes, no matter the emperor, if he comes and takes away our things, no matter if the armies of, of Rome would come and destroy us, we are still safe in God's hands no matter what. Either, either view you take, praise God, that's the case. Uh, chapter 7, verse 9, let's move into the second section. <clears throat> After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and, and, and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. A second, amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? From where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know, just the book of Zechariah and other places in the Old Testament, it's the same rhythm, the same speech. Again, nothing in the book of Revelation is really new. Um... So many allusions to the Old Testament. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Have you washed your robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb? Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. Kind of a, a hymn, a poem of praise. Of reflection, And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. That's from Isaiah 49. All these are quotes from the Old Testament. From the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear away from their eyes. What a great scene. What a great... Wow. Can you imagine it? Can you see it? The future. Uh, so, uh, chronology-wise, or, or timeline-wise, we're in this interlude. John has given two visions. And the way I see it, the way I understand it, one is a vision before the wrath starts, before the judgment comes, before the four winds are unleashed, before the four horsemen are unleashed. The uh, this people are sealed. And then, in this scene, the second scene, first he... He, he heard the number being sealed, 144,000, a perfect number, a glorious number, all the saints. And then he turns and sees a vast multitude of saints, a fourfold, again, a fourfold picture of, of all the saints. It says, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, Standing before the throne, before the Lamb. Uh, what, what is seen uh, in the first section, the, the question was in chapter 6, as it ended, who can stand? 
If you're sealed by God, if you're saved by God, if God's put His mark in you, if He owns you, if you surrendered your life to Him, if you turned your life over to Him, if you've given your life to Him, if, if He is your Lord and Savior, you will stand. You will be saved. You'll come through the judgment. You'll come through the wrath of God. You will be in perfect peace. You will be His forever. In the second scene, what a picture. Look at what's happening. They're not sitting. They're not running. They're not in fear. They're standing before the throne of God. Question in chapter 6, who will stand? We see the saints of God, the Christians, the believers, all who have trusted in Jesus Christ. They're the ones standing. And what's the scene of? I think this is a picture of the glorified saints, a picture at the end of time, after all the judgments were completed, after all the wrath of God has been poured out, after the millennial kingdom, after the great white throne judgment, the second resurrection where all the wicked are judged and sent to hell. After that season, after that time, we have the eternal state, the new Jerusalem, the earth and heavens uh, made new, revolve, not revolve, uh, restored by God. Renewed by God. And, and John is given this picture. We're given a picture of, of us. John, I think, sees you standing there. You who have been redeemed. Now, um, the question that the, the angel brings to John is, who are these clothed in white robed? And, and, and it's a powerful statement. From where have they come? Uh, there's, there's so much, but, but start. Let's start up in, in verse, verse 9. Uh, a great multitude that no one could count. So the first section, he's, he, there's a number he heard, and now he looks and he can't see, he can't count that high. You know, the, from all the earth, every tribe, peoples, languages, every ethnicity apparently, none are, none are missing, all, all the people saved, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Who are they standing with? Uh, they're standing with the angels. And, and notice, notice verse 11. All the angels. <laughs> millions and millions of angels standing and, and uh, around the throne. The elders, the, the, the 24 elders that we met in chapter, chapter 4 and 5. The, 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 the four living creatures and all that, all that wildness. They're all standing. But, the, but then, uh, for the fourth time in the book of Revelation, the four living creatures and the elders, they fall on their faces. <laughs> they fall prostrate, prostrate, prostrate before the Lord. And um, it's, a, it's a, an amazing scene. Uh, the, the cry, but I want, I want to direct your attention to the cry of verse 10. They cried out with a loud voice. And remember the martyrs under the throne of the fifth seal. They cried out, uh, when will you avenge our deaths? And so here, I think the martyrs of the fifth seal are here in this great multitude at the end of time. There's a crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Uh, salvation is owned by God. He's the one who initiates it. He's the one who has accomplished it. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He has atoned, the sacrifice of atonement for your sins. He's the one who bought it. He's the one who made it. He's the one who accomplished it. He, his salvation is His. And so they're worshiping, all, all these worshipers. These are all believers. These are all saints. These are all people just like us who have given their life to Christ, who have repented of our sins and trusted in Him for our forgiveness. Uh, it's, it's a great scene, but they're all standing, and, and there's a sevenfold blessing in, in, in chapter 12, in verse 12. It starts with the Amen. After the, after the saints cry out, Salvation belongs our God, all the living creatures and all the heavenly beings say, Amen, that's true. Amen. 
And then, then they go into a sevenfold blessing. They say, praise and glory. Some of your translations say blessing or praise. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving. All praise to God. All glory to God. He's the one who has all wisdom. He's the one who deserves all thanks. You can imagine the, the worship service going on there. To Him be all the honor. To Him be all the power and the might. So the omnipotence of God, He has all the, the power. He's omnipotent, but He has the wisdom and He has the strength to apply His omnipotence upon the earth. The strength to get things done. It's all His. Might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then we get into the question. So it's, it's a great worship service, a great scene that's seen. And, and again, I think this is talking about all the believers. What's true of those who come out of the great tribulation? It's true of all of the rest of us. Notice what happens here in verse 13. The elders address me saying, Who are, are these clothed in white robes? Now again, the symbol of white robes, we go back to Sardis. They were promised if they kept faithful, faithful when the letters to the seven churches, they would receive white robes, white garments, scene of righteousness, holiness, the justification that we have in Jesus Christ, the, the declared righteous in His sight. It's a, it's a beautiful scene, the white robes. So they're, they're clothed, right? They have this, uh, these enrobements, so to speak, of righteousness, of light. Where, they, where have they come from? And John says, right, wisely, I don't know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Okay, so coming out of the great tribulation, the, 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 the second view I shared with you, um, they would, the folks who hold that view would say, uh, the, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, they had a very effective ministry during the tribulation. Okay, they, they brought all kinds of people to Christ. They preached the gospel of the kingdom, the same one Jesus preached, right? Uh, Mark 1.15, Jesus went out preaching the gospel of the kingdom just like John the Baptist did. They preached the gospel, the truth uh, of salvation in God alone. And, and man, there's this great multitude. They were the fruit of that. And so one view says that these are just all the people that were saved during the Great Tribulation. They came out of the Great Tribulation. I'd say, yeah, in my view... I'd say, yeah, there's certainly, these are people that are coming out of the Great Tribulation. I, I'd say whether they be martyrs, or whether it be those who have lived through the Great Tribulation to the very end. Um, they are the ones, who are the ones who will stand? Again, they have the ones, they're the ones who trusted in Jesus Christ. They're the ones who believed in the Savior. They're the ones who recognize they can't save themselves, that Jesus died in their place. They're the ones, as it, it, and I'll, I'll show you where this text comes from. It comes from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Wash their, their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, so the, the illusion, the picture from Isaiah is, is that, uh, hey, you, you Jewish people, uh, back in the day, uh, my people, you're so sinful, your sins, verse 18, come now, let's reason together, they said, though your sins are like scarlet, if you trust me, if you return to me, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What, what a picture um, of garments of a life, of a soul, colored, colored red in sin. But if you trust in Him, if you, if you believe in Him, if you turn your life over Him, it, it, the one who already died in your place, He was judged so you wouldn't have to be judged. You trust in Him, you, as it were, you will be made white as snow. Cleansed. The strange picture, you know, this, this, uh, this blood that we have flowing through our veins, it leaves stains. But if you trust in Jesus, His shed blood, His death on the cross, 
You will be made clean. You'll be made holy. You'll be, you'll be forgiven. You'll be declared righteous in the sight of God. What a, what a great picture. What a great scene. Who are these coming out of the great tribulation? Everyone who has washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Are you justified in Christ? Have you been declared righteous by God? By trusting in Christ? Or are you still trying to save yourself? Trying to get good enough for God? Trying to get holy enough to be accepted into heaven? You'll never do it. You need to trust in Jesus alone. You will not stand the wrath of God. You will not face the judgment of God and come out unscathed. You will be destroyed by God's holiness. Unless you put your faith in Jesus. Unless you trust in Him and live for Him. Uh, you, 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 you have no hope. But in Jesus, there is salvation in Jesus alone. And so he, he goes there and he says, uh, he says therefore, that, that's a very important picture there. They've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They've been saved in Jesus. Therefore, <laughs> so that they're before the throne of God. They're in the, the, the rewards of salvation that we often associate with Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 22, they're here in Revelation chapter 7. They're before the throne of God. They're in His presence all the time. Our, our treasure, our reward is Jesus. <laughs> Store not up your, you know, your treasures on the earth. The, the, the rots, the moths eat it, these kind of things. Your treasure is Jesus. You put your hope and your treasure in heaven, and that's Jesus. You'll be with Him forever one day. They serve Him night and day in His temple. Uh, and again, the reason why I think it's beyond just the great tribulation saints there's, there's uh, several scriptures that uh, talk about the whole church in the same manner. If you look at chapter 1, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5, uh, going into verse 6. I'll just go to verse 6. And made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Uh, John is talking to the wider church there. God has made us a kingdom of priests, servants of God. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give, oh, that's chapter four, chapter five, verse nine, uh, and they sang a new song, saying, "Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, uh, serving God. They shall reign on the earth." That's the wider church. That's that's all of the saints. So here in, in Revelation 7, uh, the picture of the end, the picture of eternity, the picture of the glorified saints uh, serving God. And, and when I think about that, I think, man, all the, the wild nature of the way, all the vast ways we can serve God by, by being mentor fathers, by, the, by loving our neighbors, by uh, donating blood, by, by picking up trash, you know, and it goes on and on by, by loving people, for praying for people, all the different ways that we serve, that's going to be multiplied in heaven. Through the, through the ages. It's not just going to be an eternal worship service. God will give us the grace and the power to do that if He calls us to that. But the service of God is going to go on forever. Think about the whole universe at our disposal. The new heaven, the new earth, all the ways that we're going to be able to serve God and give Him glory. It's, it's an incredible, exciting thing for me to think about heaven. Can't wait to get to heaven.
And he, sit, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence. The third kind of reward or promise. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. An Old Testament promise to the Israelites, given to the, given to the church, given to all of us. Protected from God, from the sun. You know, the, the, in the, if you're a day laborer, you're out in the sun, it hurts. It's scorching heat. We be protected, tabernacled, sheltered by God in his kingdom, in his reign. And the best thing, the lamb will be in the midst of them. He'll, he'll be our shepherd and guide them in the springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Peace, hope, love, perfection in God's presence. Church, uh, this is a vision of your hope. This is a picture for you to hope in, you to hold on to. The blessed day, the blessed coming, the, the kingdom of God arriving, Jesus Christ coming back. There'll be days of trouble and hardship and, and tribulation before that day. But remember your future. Hold on to the hope of the kingdom of God. Hold on to the hope of being with Jesus in His kingdom forever. But I want to say to you here today, if, if you are still someone who's outside of the family of God, if you haven't been forgiven, if you haven't been saved, you know what to do. Trust in Jesus Believe in Jesus for life. And when that day comes, if we're still here, if we're still upon the earth, you will be marked. You will be sealed. God's name will be upon you, upon you and you'll be safe forever. But even if we don't, if we, if we don't, Jesus doesn't come back soon. If we go on living and you die a natural death, you go to your, to your grave, you will be God's no matter what. If you've trusted in Jesus and you've been forgiven in His name. Please don't leave here without trusting Him. Please don't leave here even today without putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Luke, would you please come and uh, help us to worship as we go out. Uh, Lord God Almighty, I pray for us all that uh, we would not lose hope. We would not, in these days <laughs> that we face, these troubles, these tribulations, these maybe beginning of birth pains, so to speak, that we're going through right now, but that you would not let us uh, lose hope of the future. We know that with you, we can get through anything. With you being in our lives and with you walking with us and with you living with us, Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible for you. That uh, you've got us and you'll carry us even to the end. Give us the grace, grace, Lord. Give us the power. Give us the, the insight. Give us the hope. Stay faithful to the end, even unto death. Trust you, Lord, and we turn ourselves over to you again. Be worshipped, Lord. Be praised with now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org.
God bless.